Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Please feel free to take your seat. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, you may have heard the story about there was a, there was a guest, guest preacher at a church. And at the end of the sermon, a little girl walked up to him and gave him a $5 note. And he said to her, oh, thank you. Why have you given me a $5 note? And she said, my daddy just said, you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard. So <laughs> my, my encouragement today is, look, at the end of the service, you know, let's just have a, have a talk to Pastor Shane uh, as well. But always great to be back here as well. I'm, I'm hearing voices and noises. Always great to be back here as well. Um, you, you may realize that I preach in 30, 40 churches a year. And this would be, seriously, one of the noisiest churches I've ever been to. Uh, when Pastor Shane was giving the announcements before, I don't think anybody was listening except me. And, uh, and I like that because it means that there's a vibrancy, there's fun here. You have a great sense of community. You like each other, I think, which is a very positive thing. So it's been my, uh, my privilege, my pleasure to be coming here for the last, might be eight or nine years. I used to have long, dark hair. This is what happens you know, after eight or nine years. <laughs> and, and so it's really great to be back here. And I've got something upon my heart today. I, on Tuesday morning, I was leading a devotion with our team in Singapore. And I really felt God speak to me, not about those guys, but about you in the middle of that devotion. So I know that today is going to be a day of breakthrough. And I just want to bring an encouragement to your pastor today. As, as I mentioned before, I'm in churches, a different church every weekend. This would be the only one I've been in that makes room for the Holy Spirit during the worship. Now, a lot of people have an altar call at the end of the service, but very few churches are really making room for the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, Pastor, that's fantastic. Because when you make room for the Holy Spirit, lives are changed. People have an encounter with God. People have a fresh experience with Jesus. And I encourage you, don't just stand back in times like that, but enter in and be hungry for God to do even more inside of your life. Um, as, as your pastor mentioned, um, I'm the international director of a mission agency by the name of World Outreach International. Uh, we are based in Singapore. Our headquarters is there, but we work in 70 countries. We have a mission force of 240 expatriate missionaries, 360 indigenous leaders, and under them literally thousands of leaders throughout the world. Our focus is what we call the least groups of the world. The world today is composed of about 200 nations. But if you forget about those nations, the world is actually comprised of 16,000 people groups identifiable by their culture or language. And of those, about 6,000 are classified as unreached. In other words, they've got less than 2% Christians or so few Christians that they can't evangelize their own people or plant their own churches. That's about 2.75 billion people or about 40% of the world living in a people group with no Christian presence, no evangelistic Christian presence. So uh, our mandate is to go like Star Trek, where no one has ever gone before, into dark places uh, to bring the light of the gospel. So it's a very exciting ministry, and we're seeing some great breakthroughs in countries where you're not supposed to be preaching the gospel. And it's, it's really... I was saying to Pastor Shane before, it's so frustrating because our profile is so low, but what we're doing is so big because we're doing it in parts of the world that we just can't talk about. You know, in the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, the, the Hindu world, we're just seeing some remarkable things. And as you heard before, people are coming to the Lord in great numbers. But importantly, our goal is not just evangelism. 
because I've been to Africa many times and they've got the big meetings over there and lots of people raise up their hand to give their life to Jesus. Our end goal is not evangelism. Our end goal is discipleship. That they will be, get, they will be got hold of and nurtured until they are enabled to empower others as well. And, uh, and I don't know if you realize, but your church partners with us in what we're doing. You, you, you are supporting us in what we're doing in the nations of the world. Every month some money comes through that empowers us to do it, and I really appreciate that. You, you may never know until that day the impact that your giving has had on the nations of the world. So it's very exciting. Okay, just one last ad, and then I'll get right, right into the message today. As Pastor mentioned, but nobody was listening, um, I've written a book, and it's called Inside Out. And it's having a look at self-leadership. And the basic premise of the book is that in Christian leadership, we do not lead from the top down, but we lead from the inside out. That our true credibility and authenticity doesn't come from our position. It's not hierarchical. Our true credibility comes from who we are on the inside. So this is a book that's written about all the things I wish that someone had taught me when I was a younger pastor. And I'm still a young pastor. But when I was a really young pastor, uh, just things about self-control, the tongue, your temper, your sex life, your thought life, all of those things. It's, it's really practical, loads of stories, and, and, and you're welcome to have a look. It's out there uh, at the counter. Okay, you're ready for the Scripture today. I'll take that as yes. Okay, I want to turn your attention to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's in the clean pages of the Bible we don't read very often. But there's no finger marks there. 2 two Chronicles chapter 20. And in a couple of moments, so we're referring to the story that's found in verses 1 to 24. Uh, it'll be, there it is. It's up there. Uh, 2 two Chronicles 20, verses 1 to 24. But in a moment, I'll just read to you from verses 1 to 4. In this message today, I want to look at a text that teaches us how we can respond when we're in the middle of a crisis. What do we do when we're faced with something that is bigger than us or something that is beyond our, our, our control? In Scripture, there were many different ways that people responded to God in the middle of, of their challenges. Some people responded with rugged faith. Other people responded with heartfelt prayer. Other people just battened down the hatches and, and persevered. Some people just hung on to God by their fingernails. But in this message, I want to look at how we can respond through our words of praise to, to the living God. What we're about to see in this passage is that God powerfully responds to people when they lift their voice in acknowledgement of who He is and what He has done. And so to me, praise becomes the song of the supernatural. And that's the title of my message this morning, The Song of the Sup Sup Supernatural. For today, friends, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe in the power of God, and I do not serve a small or a detached God. I serve a great and a glorious God, a God of limitless and infinite power, a God who loves and cares intimately about every aspect of our lives. I believe that He is a God who wants to respond to the needs of His people here today. And so to, to set the whole scene, let me just read verses 1 to 4 of our text to have a look at the context here. It reads, verse, verse, verse 1, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. 
Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already at Hazes on Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek help. And from this passage today, I just want to have a look at a number of things about how we can respond in the middle of a crisis. Number one is this. The first thing I see in this passage is that Jehoshaphat recognized the need for divine intervention. Jehoshaphat recognized the need for divine intervention. In other words, Jehoshaphat recognized that his problem was bigger than him that he had no power to overcome the thing that, 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 that was confronting him. He needed divine intervention. And in verses 1 and 2 there, we see that an alliance of neighboring peoples described as a vast army came to make war against him. The challenges that were assailing him and the people were bigger than him. And Jehoshaphat recognized that in and of himself, he did not have the internal or the material resources to face the challenges that were confronting him. It was intimidating. It was potentially devastating and alarming. Something supernatural was needed. Something above and outside and beyond human strength was needed. He needed God to intervene on his, his behalf. And the subsequent verses tell us that he did exactly that. He called the nation together to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat understood that what he was facing may have been bigger than him, but his God was bigger than his circumstance. And today, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you are facing, you may feel that what you are facing is bigger than you. I want to encourage you today to remember, your God is bigger than your circumstance. Therefore, we must never make our problems our starting point, but make God's power our starting point. Today, as we begin to look ahead, don't just look at the problems, but look at the greatness and the glory and the awesomeness and the majesty and the power of our great God. And when you think back in, in Scripture to what preceded the great miracles of God, there are many, many things, such as a formless universe, a barren wife, enslaved and oppressed by ruthless nations, impassable rivers and flooded seas, a wilderness, drought and famine, the formidable walls of Jericho, the invading, opposing or, 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 or an occupying army, giants, poison food, a dead child, not enough food, not enough water, diseases, demon possession, snake bites, blindness, death, lameness, all of those things are quite serious. But in Scripture, all of them preceded some of the great miracles of God. And you may not be facing something like that, but I want to encourage you today to realize our God is bigger than our circumstance. And so in, in, reckon, in responding to God in the crisis, the first thing we need to do is recognize our need of divine intervention. Our God, we need you. Num Number two, 
A second thing I see in this passage that, 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 that teaches us how we can respond in a crisis. Number two is this, resolve to go to the Lord. Resolve to go to the Lord. Verse 3 reads, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. But I want you to notice something liberating in verse, verse number 3. It says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. We sometimes think of these great Bible characters as being superhuman and never having any negative emotions at all, never fearing, just being really strong. But it says here, Jehoshaphat was alarmed. I don't know about you, that encourages me. This guy was human. And we must always remember that before we are Christians, we are creations. And our humanity and our spirituality collide in times of crisis. Our faith is trying to hold on, but our humanity is withering against what we are facing. And there's nothing unspiritual or weak sometimes about feeling alarmed. But importantly, the verse that does not say, Jehoshaphat was alarmed, full stop. No, it tells us exactly what we are to do when we are alarmed. It says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Jehoshaphat made a conscious, deliberate, intentional decision to find out what the Lord was thinking about the circumstance. What does God want me to do? How does God see, see the circumstance? What can I learn of God or from God from, from this? What does God want me to do to depend upon Him? Lord, I need your help, but what do I do? He resolved to inquire of the Lord. And today, if you're in the, in the middle of a crisis, I want to encourage you to have that absolute resolve, that conscious, deliberate, intentional attitude to seek the mind of God and to seek the in, in intervention of God, to have that resolve inside of your heart. As if you were saying, I am not going to be intimidated. I am not going to be so, uh, discouraged. I am not going to bow down. I am not going to yield to this thing. My God is bigger than my circumstance, so I am making up my mind today. I am not going to wither. I am not going to capitulate. I am going to go to God. He resolved to go to the Lord. So I want to encourage you today, let your faith be strengthened. Let your will be fortified today to say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. And I don't understand, Lord, the nature of this crisis. But I do know that you are good and you are love and you are powerful. So I make up my mind today that I am going to seek you. Today, let there be fresh resolve in your heart that says, I'm not going to go under. I am going to go over in Jesus' name. So as part of his resolve, it says here, Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Fasting evidences the seriousness of our resolve. Fasting demonstrates the intensity of our request before the Lord. And what will not yield to prayer alone will yield to prayer and fasting. And fasting is one discipline that needs to be restored to its proper place and practice in the modern day church. I encourage you, if you're facing something, why not go, go to God and cut out a little bit of food, one less hamburger, a few less chips, won't do any harm to seek the face of God. And that we read here that the people of the Judah came together to seek help from, from the Lord. 
Notice the words there. When Jehoshaphat called the people, they came together to seek the Lord. This is the value and the power of community, of unity, of relationships. If today you're here and you're facing something that is bigger than you, can I encourage you, don't, don't, don't just say, well, oh, I'm just going to battle through. I'm going to tough it out in my own strength. Sometimes we need others to come around about us and to support us and to hold up our hands like Moses to pray for us as well. Resolve doesn't just mean that you do it in your own strength. We need the Lord and we need others. And often God uses the others as his means and his ministry to help us in our time, time of need. So today, come, come together. Come together. Seek help and prayer from others as well. And so we've seen that we need to have resolve and then resolve that is impregnated by fasting and, and, and strengthening our relationships. But that leads us to point number three today. How should we respond in the middle of a crisis? Number three, request God for his intervention. Request God for his intervention. In other words, pray. In verse number five, it reads, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the courtyard and said. And so with a common thread, all the people have come together and then Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And I want to encourage you, when you are faced with something that is bigger than you, it's not the time to whinge and moan or to pull your head in like a turtle that's threatened, but begin to lift your voice and pray. But I want you to notice some things about the nature of his prayer today. It'll be on the screen behind me. His prayer was based on the nature and the power of God. Listen to how he starts, starts to pray. Oh, this is found in verse, verse 6. Oh, Lord, oh, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? I want you to notice here that his prayer did not start with his problem. His prayer started by declaring the nature and the power of God. And often what we do when we come to pray is, Oh God, I'm facing this and oh God, I'm facing that. I want you today to change your vantage point and change your whole perspective. Don't start your prayer with your need, but start your prayer by declaring about the greatness of God. See, Jehoshaphat here. He declared that the Lord was the one sovereign God, that he was ruler, that he was almighty, that he was undefeatable, that he was warrior, that he was covenant maker, that he was promise keeper. And whenever you feel that you've got something that is bigger than you, I encourage you to remind yourself of who God is, to remind yourself of what God has said, to remind yourself of what God has done. Because how quickly we become swamped and overwhelmed by our circumstances, and we become blinded to the unchanging nature and of what God is and what God has done. Let's today remember who He is. Let's remember how He has revealed Himself. Let's remember what He's done in the past. 
let's remember that he is the one true living God, ruler, all-powerful warrior God. Today, I want to encourage you, no matter what you are facing, he has not changed. Your circumstances have changed, but he has not changed. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. So his prayer was based on the power, uh, the, the God's power, but also it was based on the Word of God. It was based on the Word of God. So after Jehoshaphat began to declare about the greatness of God, he then begins to refer to Solomon's prayer that was prayed 100 years before this very circumstance. When, 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 when Solomon had prayed that, Lord, if calamity comes upon us by sword or judgment or famine, we will stand in this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you. And God answered Solomon's prayer a hundred years before. What did the Lord say? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number four, 14, which, which, which will be up here, which reads, Thank you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. I love this last bit. My eyes and my heart will always be there. So God gave a promise that if the people were in calamity or turmoil, if they gathered together in his house, then he would hear from heaven and he would intervene on their behalf. And the point I want to make here today is that Jehoshaphat is basing his prayer upon the promises of God. He's not just coming to God on the basis of his need. He's coming to God on the basis of what God has said. This is powerful. This is true dependence upon the Lord. This is not just coming to God because we have a crisis. It's coming to God because of what He has said inside of His Word. And friends, this is the basis of all true prayer, that we ground it upon what God has said inside of His Word. So I'm encouraging you, in the middle of your crisis, when you begin to pray, begin to declare the greatness of God, and then come to God on the basis of His Word, and then we see also that he had a dependence upon God, a dependence upon God. At the end of his prayer, found in verses 10, 10 to 12, Jehoshaphat appraises what, what, what they are facing. And he calls out to God, Oh God, will you not judge them? In other words, we can't do anything. We're calling upon you. We're reaching out to you. So I encourage you to pray like that. And that leads me to my fourth point today about how we can respond in the middle of a crisis. And that is that we are to have a reliant expectation upon the Lord. And this is where everything changes. And this is the most exciting part of the whole message in case you're waiting for something good to happen. And that is that we would have a reliant expectation. Or in other words, God calls us, calls us to express faith. So it, to me, Jehoshaphat's prayer concludes with sentences that really encapsulate dependence. Verse, verse number 12 reads, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But I love this. But our eyes are upon you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I pray that prayer often. Lord, 
We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. In other words, God, I need you. I can't handle this thing alone. I don't know what to do. I haven't got enough strength. But, oh, God, our eyes are upon you because we know that when we can't, you can. When we aren't, you are. When we lack strength, you have it. They focused upon the Lord. Our eyes are upon you. They had a complete dependence upon, upon the Lord. This must have been a very powerful moment. And I want you to, to try and envisage the scene here. Here are hundreds of thousands of people all gathering together. And Jehoshaphat has just poured out his heart in prayer. And this must have been an amazing scene. The people just feeling an acute sense of fear. The men knowing that they're about to fight and face a vast army. Imagine the women and the children standing there looking at their men, knowing that these men were probably about to be killed, knowing that they, as the vulnerable women and children, would probably be taken into captivity or, at worst, slaughtered. Imagine what it was like for the children, intuitively knowing that their parents are upset and going through something and they can't quite understand it, but they can see terror in the eyes of their parents. Imagine what it was like at, at this time here. But then, amazingly, suddenly, which is what God does, suddenly the whole scene changes. Verse number four, 14 says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he begins to bring this incredible prophetic promise of, of, of deliverance. And if you are here today and you ask the Lord to give you a word, listen to the prophecy of, of Jehaziel. This is what he said, verses 15 to 17. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. You will not have to fight this battle. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you today. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You go out and face them tomorrow. And it says, and the Lord will be with you. What an amazing moment. It must have been like a bolt or a vault of electricity just sweeping through those hundreds of thousands of people who were there. It was God saying, do not be afraid. You may be outnumbered, and this thing may be bigger than you, but do not be intimidated. Do not be fearful. Do not be downcast. And this is why, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And we, when we remember today that in Jesus, He is for us, and He is with us, and He is in us. We know today that He is going to fight for us. And the Lord goes on to say, you will not have to fight this battle, but take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you today. And my encouragement to you, in the middle of your circumstances, stand firm. Hold your ground. Don't give in and don't give up. See what God is about to do, for He is greater than your circumstance. Our God gives hope to the hopeless. Our God gives help to those who feel 
helpless, how God gives strength to the weary, how God gives encouragement to those who are downcast. He is a friend to the friendless. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a husband to, 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 to the widow and deserted. And when you feel like you can't take any more, He comes along besides you. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. He strengthens you. He raises you up. He is a warrior who will fight for us. So today I'm encouraging you in the middle of your circumstance, stand firm and don't be intimidated because the Lord your God is with you. And then it goes on to say in verse number 17, you just go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. You know, sometimes I feel like Jehoshaphat. I just feel like throwing it all in. And sometimes we just feel like just giving up. At times when that happens, when you're tired of battling the same old things, when you feel fatigued by effort and failure, I encourage you, you go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Maybe you're thinking about work tomorrow and there's anxiety. Or maybe there's a doctor's appointment during the week and there's anxiety inside of you. Maybe you haven't got money to pay that bill and there's just anxiety inside of you today. Go out and face them tomorrow. And this is why, because the Lord will be with you. Just keep going and just keep doing what God's put in your hand to do. Face the things that you need to. Face them with the strength that God provides. Face them knowing that you are not alone. So I encourage you today to recognize that. So we've seen that we must recognize our need for divine help. We've seen that we need to have resolve. We know that we need to make our requests to God. And then we need to have reliance. But my last point today is this. How can we respond in the middle of a crisis? We must respond in faith. In other words, take steps of faith. It's great to know all this stuff, but it's when we walk out the doors, that's when it really makes a difference in our life. So the people have just received this incredible prophetic word. And then Jehoshaphat and, and the people bowed down and they erupted in praise and worship. Verse 19 says here, I think the the Levites stood up and they praised the Lord with a very loud voice. You know, in many Pentecostal churches today, people complain about the noise. Imagine what it was like here. My prayer is it will become even more noisy because people are are praising God with all their heart. Their fear was transformed into courage. Their hopelessness was transformed into hope. Their spirit was revived. Their faith was renewed. But the enemy was still there. The crisis was still real. They were still in danger. Now they had to do something. They had to respond, and they had to respond in faith. So Jehoshaphat employed an unusual, unconventional military tactic he employed singers to march out in, at the head of the army. Now, to me, I can think of a few that I'd like to send out at the head of an army, but here it was a divine tactic. They had no weapons in their hands, but they were armed with something far more su- 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 superior than swords and javelins. They had words of praise. So I want you to picture this ancient army 
marching out with singers at the head of the army, declaring the words of Psalm 136 that says, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Imagine the army as they, they begin to march, and out the front are just people singing, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. These people did not march out as an army going to face an enemy. They were marching out as if they had already won. And there was a triumphal sound of victory inside of their heart. And I want you to picture this army as it goes down into the valley. They haven't even got to where the enemy is. But there is a, there is a sound of praise inside of their hearts. And notice some things about the nature of their praise. It was a choice. It was their choice to respond to what God had said. They were not going to be overwhelmed or mastered by their circumstances. So they chose to praise the Lord. And their praise was irrespective of their circumstance. The remarkable thing is that no matter what we are going through, it does not alter the power or the character or the nature of our great God. So the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times, good times and bad times. I will lift my voice and I will exalt him for who he is. So I want you to picture this great army walking out with the musicians out the front singing praise to God. What, what was the result? Verse, verse number 22 says, As they began to sing and praise, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So they set out from Jerusalem. They, they, they enter the valley, uh, heading towards the enemy. They're lifting their voice to God. But by, by, by the time they, they, they get to the enemy, uh, the enemy has annihilated each other, and all Jehoshaphat and his army found were dead bodies and spoil. Now, we, we don't know what the ambushes were. We're not, we're not really sure. But in other places of Scripture, the Lord destroyed armies through thunder. One he did with hail. Another he did with the sword of the Lord. Another army he drowned. So this, 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 the Bible doesn't tell us here. But all we need to know is this. When we lift our voice in praise to God, in defiance of our circumstances, something happens. And it says that the Lord defeated them. Let me wrap it all up by just bringing you some, some applications to our lives about what, what, what we can see here about the nature of, of their praise. Number one is this, is that praise somehow invisibly activates the Lord to work on behalf of a, of a person or, or a church. Praise invisibly act, act, activates the Lord. It says, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. They haven't even got to the battle lines. But when they lift their voice, something happened. I mean, what happens in the unseen world, I do not know. And I don't even need to know. All I do know is this. When I lift my voice to God, He works. He intervenes. He does something. Do you remember that story in, in Acts where Paul and Barnabas are in prison? And they're chained and they've just been beaten up. But as they began to sing, as they began to praise the same com the combination is here. What happened? The earthquake shook and the foundations were shaken and the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Prayer and praise resulted in an invisible yet divine power shaking and setting the people free. 
Number two, praise focuses our attention on God, on His work and His character and power, often in contrast to our human failure and weakness and powerlessness. They called out, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. If you ever feel unmotivated to pray or you feel spiritually flat, the best thing you can do is lift your voice and raise your hands and praise the Lord. And this is why, because the Lord is good, because His love endures forever, because His mercies are new every morning, because His faithfulness no one can fathom, because His power is immeasurable. And sometimes we just got to take our eyes off ourselves. Oh, poor me, I'm going through a hard time. And begin to lift your voice to the Lord who cares, for the Lord who intervenes, for the Lord who loves, and just give praise to Him. Three, we see that praise is a recognition of complete reliance upon the Lord. Jehoshaphat is, and his men are marching out, praising the Lord with unarmed men leading the way. It was a choice not to depend upon their own human strength, but to depend upon God's ability. And when we lift our voice to Him, it's saying, Lord, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are upon You. Number four, praise conquers unbelief inside of our hearts. When you are faced with a circumstance that, that is bigger than you. Every fear will begin to get louder. All doubt will begin to get louder. And there'll be this very persuasive, seductive voice of unbelief just going, oh, come on, did God really say that? Come on, look to science. Look to all these other things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But when you lift, lift your voice to God, it conquers unbelief inside of our hearts. The Lord said, you will not have to fight this battle. And in this story, there is no record of swords or spears or shields or bows. Faith was their armor. They had a dependence upon the Lord. And if you're struggling, if you feel like you're, you're suffocating today or your head is just above water, whatever is above water, use that to let your voice be heard to say, Lord, I am calling out to you today. And the last thing we see here is that praise brings the victory over the enemies that we are facing. Verse number 22 says, And they were defeated. This simple statement recording what the Lord accomplished in response to His people raising their, 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 their voice. Psalm 149, verses 6 to 9 reads, May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to bind their kings with fetters and their nobles with shackles of iron. I believe this as I close today that our God is a miracle-working God. I believe that He intervenes on our, our behalf. But today, what the Lord wants to do, He wants to change your vocabulary from one of, oh God, I'm going through this and I'm going through that, to one that says, Lord, you know what I'm going through. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you, but I'm going to give glory to you for who you are and what you have done. And I'm wondering if we could just take a couple of moments to just give some time to lift our voice, to praise the Lord, and to see things happen. I believe that things can change in your life today as a result of God's mighty intervention in Jesus' name. Would you mind standing with me, please? Sorry to wake you, but if you wouldn't mind standing. Could I just get Rachel and the team to, to come back? That would be, be great. Thank you. And if we could just um, go back to the refrain of that last song. I don't know it, but it was great. 
I think it would be great for us to, to lift our voice today. Can I invite you just to close your eyes, just to shut off all the distractions around about you today. And I just want you to begin to focus upon the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. I want to encourage you today to begin to speak out the praises of God, to begin to speak out about the greatness and the glory of God. Not just speak out in tongues. That, that's great because that is praise to God, but also to intentionally, in the middle of your circumstance, to begin to give thanks to the Lord today. Come on, friends. Let's all lift our voice. Let's all begin to speak out. Hallelujah. You are the living God. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the Savior through your blood, through all that you have done, Lord. We say thank you today. We say thank you for your greatness. We say thank you for your mercy. We say thank you for your loving kindness. We say thank you for your faithfulness. We say thank you, Lord, for who you are, your unchangeableness. We thank you that you are the incomparable God. Lord, we thank Thank you, the undefeatable one, the glorious one. Thank you, Jesus, that you are seated upon the throne. Oh, let's give glory to Jesus today. Let's give honor to Jesus today for who he is, for what he's done upon the cross, for your name is above every other name. Your power is greater than all of the power. Your name is greater than all of the name, for you have been raised from the dead, and you are the Lord. We thank you, Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord to the glory of the Father. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, today for who you are, for what you've done, for the greatness and the glory of your name. Blessed be your name. Holy is your name. How great is your name. Praise be to your name, Lord God. Oh, you are worthy. 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 Thank you. If you're facing something that is bigger than you today, I want to encourage you to put your eyes upon the Lord today. Just focus upon Him today. For He is the living God. Nothing is impossible to Him. He sees, He knows, and He cares. But what He's looking for more than anything 
is for you to draw near to Him, to depend upon Him, to rely upon Him. Maybe you're saying today, I just haven't got the strength to face this. He has the strength. And He can empower you in your inner being with all that you need to go on and to go through whatever you are facing today. But I want us today to just begin to lift our voice and just give Him the praise, the worship, the honor, the glory that is due to His name for who He is. And just begin to put our our focus upon Him. The the whole purpose of this is to take our eyes off ourselves and off our circumstance and onto Him, calling out to Him to intervene and do what He alone can do. So friends, could I invite everyone please just to raise your hands to the living God today. And let's just begin to give Him glory and give Him honor and give Him worship for who He is. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for who You are. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory today, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your unchangeableness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. We give you glory. We give you glory. You are Lord of all. You are Lord of all. 